Through the past 10 weeks, we've been looking at this series of grace. And we've looked at being genuine truth-tellers, receptive listeners, active stewards, being a community of God's people, and encouraging each other. The topic I've been given to speak about today is a forgiving church, a church where people bear no grudges against each other, and things aren't held against each other. I was a bit puzzled, actually, when I was given this topic, because I think we've actually been very forgiving towards a certain staff member of our church from New South Wales over the past 10 years. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's had something to gloat about finally for the first time in seven years. Over the course of the church over the past 100 years, there's been many silly reasons of why people within the church have broken fellowship with each other. And all of these, I think, stem from this attitude of unforgiveness. For example, people have broken fellowship because they couldn't agree where to place the offering during a church service. People have broken fellowship because someone placed flowers within a church hall and apparently it upset some people to the point of splitting a church. There have been broken relationships within churches because of the choice of the colour of the carpet, colour of walls, and signs and logos. A group of youths in the, in the United States broke fellowship because they were upset at how the word hallelujah was spelt. On a more serious note, the topic of forgiveness is a very broad and difficult topic to speak about. We all hopefully agree in theory that we should be a forgiving church, but in practice, It's a very difficult thing. We all have or we all know about complicated situations where forgiveness may be a hard or even a seemingly impossible thing. During today's message, I definitely won't cover the whole topic of forgiveness. I also don't want to oversimplify the process of forgiveness. Often situations are complex and it takes time and effort for forgiveness to occur. But hopefully God will be able to challenge you and me somehow with how he wants us to forgive each other within the church. Through today's sermon, it was actually very difficult for me to find the appropriate illustrations. So through today's points, I just want to share how God has challenged me this week about being part of a forgiving church and what that means. Today's main points flow out of the Apostle Paul's argument in Ephesians 4.32 about how we are to forgive one another. And the first section we'll look at this argument. Then we'll look at five different facets or different points of being a forgiving church. And then we'll conclude with some questions to reflect on and to be challenged by. There are a number of passages in the New Testament that talk about forgiving one another. The verse I've selected today is Ephesians 4.32. should be the next slide. And it's in the middle of Paul's encouragement to the church in Ephesus. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here Paul compares forgiving one another to the way that God has forgiven us through Christ. This is the... This is the scriptural model of how we forgive each other in the church. And it's forgiving like God forgave us 
through Christ. After doing a few Bible searches on forgiveness, I found a few other passages that echo a similar point. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Lord's Prayer, which we all memorised in Sunday school in Matthew 6, also links forgiving others with God's forgiveness of us in the phrase, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. God has shown forgiveness to us in the most extreme lengths possible. He has forgiven us for our rebellion against God, our Creator. And God wants us likewise to show forgiveness to those around us in our comparably insignificant earthly issues. So how can we encourage each other with Christ-like forgiveness within the church? I want to suggest five ways that God has forgiven us and that God is challenging us in showing forgiveness towards each other. The first way that God forgives us through Christ is that he shows genuine forgiveness or the words extravagant or loving and gracious forgiveness might describe it better. We sang it before in Amazing Grace. This passage that we uh, read before in Luke 15 uh, about the parable of the prodigal son uh, really shows this point. Uh, this passage that we read uh, is seated in a group of lost and found parables where Jesus tells in response to the Pharisees who were angry about Jesus eating with sinners. Most of us know the story. Our father has two sons. The younger son gets bored, takes his inheritance from his father and wanders around the world. He goes broke and after a while he sees his mistake and decides to return home. In verse 20 to 32, Jesus tells of the response of the father who illustrates God and also the elder brother in verse 25 to 32 who is most likely illustrating the Pharisees. First we'll look at the response of the Father, which is an image of how God through Jesus forgives us. It describes his genuine forgiveness towards us. And this is the example of how we are to forgive one another. Notice we fly over verse 20 to 24, the extent that the Father goes to forgive and welcome his lost son. Firstly, the Father sees his son and feels compassion. This shows that the father wanted his son to come back. He wanted fellowship and his relationship with his son again. Secondly, the father runs out and embraces his son. We can read this and just take it for granted, but we need to remember that now in the story, the father is now old. And in Eastern culture, it's actually undignified and against etiquette and dishonorable for a man to run in public. It's like if I went to Jamie Oliver's restaurant and ate without cutlery, which is what I did once, actually. <laughs> this shows the extent of God, God's forgiveness. Thirdly, the father reinstates the son back into the family with the best robe, a gold ring, and sandals on his feet. No works required, no strings attached. Grace is shown. The son is part of the family again. And fourthly, and my favourite part, the father throws a barbecue 
with his most prized aged marble wagyu beef steaks to celebrate his son's return. All of these point to the extent of God's forgiveness towards us. God wants a relationship with us and he's waiting, knocking on each of our doorsteps. And when we do come to him, God welcomes us with open arms, grace and love, no works required, no strings attached, no paperwork needed. And God not only welcomes us into his family, but he gives us the title of heirs and children in his kingdom. God is abounding in grace and love. It's genuine forgiveness. This extravagant demonstration of grace and love is shown from the Father towards the Son. It's shown from God to us through Jesus. And God wants us to show this genuine forgiveness to each other. Forgiveness that is abounding in grace and love. The opposite response is alluded to in the older brother's response from verse 25 to 32. And this demonstrates the difficulties that we may have in genuine forgiveness. In contrast to the father, the brother receives the news with anger and does not want to see his younger brother. He's reluctant to show love and reinstate fellowship. Sometimes we are similar. Instead of showing genuine forgiveness, we are angry and we either grudgingly forgive, we say we forgive, but it's just out of necessity and because we have to, and it's not out of grace and love. Or it's either that or sometimes we just don't forgive at all. I know these situations are usually very complicated and conversations need to take place, trust needs to be built. I don't want to oversimplify these issues. But I think we all need to make sure we're approaching these situations with a pure and godly mindset, with the intent of showing genuine forgiveness. Over the past month, God has rebuked me for not showing genuine forgiveness in the past. I said I'd forgiven someone, but there was no love or grace shown towards them at all. Rather than showing genuine forgiveness, I just forgave them grudgingly, which made me question if I forgave them at all. And after this realisation, hard conversations took place and now my mindset is on forgiving this person with grace and love. God wants us to show genuine forgiveness, abounding in love and grace for each other. The second way that God forgives us through Christ is that he shows complete forgiveness. God forgives us in full, which should be the next slide. In Colossians 2, 13-15, Paul talks about what Christ has done for us. And he says that he forgave us all our sins by nailing it to the cross. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah records a prophetic statement from God which says, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Complete forgiveness means that the issue is dealt with, it's done, and it won't come up again. This is how God forgives us. Jesus' death completely deals with all the sin in our lives. And God says that in both the Old and New Testament that when we truly come to Jesus, our sins will be remembered no more. 
So reading this through the filter of Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other as God through Christ forgives us. God wants us to show complete forgiveness to each other. This means that when we forgive someone, it's dealt with, it's done, and it won't come up again. It means we won't bring it up with that person again. We won't bring it up to other people again, which is gossip anyway. And we won't bring it up, most importantly, in our minds again. And this really spoke to me this week also, as I remembered many times in the past when I say that I've forgiven someone, but really I'm still revisiting it in my mind over and over again. I still harbored small segments of reluctance to let go of the issue. I wonder if this is something that you struggle with also. The biggest difficulty of complete forgiveness for me is that we see some issues as too big to let go of. That other person might have wronged you greatly or the situation may be very complicated. Again, don't want to oversimplify the situation, but I'd like to remind you and me of what God reminded me personally this week. God removed the biggest debt ever as he forgave me and you. Any earthly debt is small, it's tiny, it's minuscule compared to our rebellion against our Creator and God's forgiveness of that. Matthew 18's parable of the unforgiving service really speaks more about this. God wants us to show complete forgiveness to one another. Forgiveness that's in full. The third way that God forgives us through Christ is that he forgives sacrificially. God forgives us at a cost. And the cost, which is focused on through all scripture, is the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. Hebrews 10 talks about the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus. And verse 10 says that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Our holiness, our relationship with God, God's forgiveness of us is made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. God forgives us sacrificially and again reading through the filter of Ephesians 4.32 God wants us to forgive each other even when it may cost or hurt us. Often when I forgive someone it's going to cost me by prioritizing fellowship with that other person and overlooking the pain and hurt that person might have caused me. Sometimes it might cost financially, it might cost time, or it might cost even more pain. But the cost that we might pay for forgiveness is tiny compared to the cost that God paid in his sacrifice for us. I heard a story, I think it was a friend, about him being in a small car accident, and it was with another driver, and this guy was willing to put aside the issues of cost, of time to really reach out to the other person. And because he was willing to do that, put these things aside, he actually began a good friendship with the other driver through a car accident, which is amazing. Sometimes we don't forgive well because we're not willing to sacrifice anything. We don't want to pay the cost. But God wants us to show sacrificial forgiveness to one another, forgiving even if it costs. The fourth way 
that God forgives us is that he forgives us impartially. His forgiveness stretches towards all people. A couple of weeks ago I preached in the night service about the body and Paul says in 1 Corinthians that it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek or an Aussie, Asian, African, American or even a New South Welshman, especially after excessive gloating that we've received this week. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or free, if you're a professional, a tradie, a retiree or a student. It doesn't matter. God's forgiveness stretches towards all. Romans 10.13 says that everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if God's forgiveness is impartial towards everyone who calls on him, that means our forgiveness should also be impartial towards everyone. It's so easy to us to show forgiveness to some people and not others. If a friend and a stranger wronged me the same way, I'd probably be more inclined to forgive the friend but not the stranger. Or maybe sometimes it's the opposite. I think I'm usually a gentle and nice guy. But when I get on the sporting fields, Mr. Nice Guy goes away and is replaced by Mr. Competitive. When I played competition badminton many years ago, I played doubles matches with a mixture of different partners. When I played with friends, it'd be very easy for me to get over a friend who was playing a bad game. But when it was someone I didn't know very well, I used to get frustrated and annoyed and more unforgiving when they played a bad game. When I knew that my partner was a good player but wasn't playing well or to their potential, I'd probably hold it against them more than a partner who I knew wasn't good. And I did all this subconsciously and I never really thought about it back then. In life situations, I'm certain that the same principles apply. We all struggle in some way in showing impartial forgiveness, showing forgiveness towards all and everyone. We give preference to people subconsciously. So when we're in these situations, we need to think and to ask ourselves, am I showing impartial forgiveness here? Am I showing forgiveness to everyone? God wants us to imitate his forgiveness towards us and demonstrate impartial forgiveness, forgiving all peoples regardless of their relationship, culture or status. The final point I want to draw your attention to today about how God forgives us is that he initiates forgiveness towards us. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our broken relationship with God, God took the initiative. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still helpless. And he did this to extend God's forgiveness towards us. Jesus also speaks about the importance of us taking the initiative in forgiving others and doing it as soon as possible. In Matthew 5, verse 20 to 24, Jesus is speaking about the importance of living with peace with one another as followers or as disciples of Jesus. In particular, verse 23 and 24 says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, 
leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. These verses suggest that a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ is so important that broken fellowship affects a person's relationship with God. It's very difficult, almost impossible in my opinion, to worship God appropriately while having broken fellowship with other believers. Jesus commands us to reconcile ourselves to them, to initiate forgiveness towards them, so that our worship to God is pure, unobstructed and wholehearted. There are many obstacles in initiating forgiveness towards others. Some are real and some are perception, but all of them need to be confronted. For me, the biggest obstacle in this point is fear, and it manifests itself in the form of laziness or waiting for the other person to initiate first. It's visible with this comment of, he or she can come to me first. And this is something that God again has corrected me this week. This week I reached out to a person who I hadn't talked to for about six months because of a broken friendship. And through those six months, I was scared of the pain that he might cause me in reacting if I actually reached out to him. But God really convicted me of this and convicted me to initiate forgiveness towards him instead of just waiting and putting it off. Initiating forgiveness is courageous. It's a bold thing to do. But most importantly, it's what God wants us to do. So just to summarise the points so far, the filter we're looking at is Ephesians 4.32. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God wants us to be a forgiving church, a church where we bear no grudges against each other, a church where things aren't held against you. And God wants us to encourage each other with genuine forgiveness, forgiving from the heart, abounding in grace and love, with complete forgiveness, forgiving in full, with sacrificial forgiveness, forgiving even when it costs, impartial forgiveness, forgiving all people, and initiating forgiveness to take the first step in forgiving. By practicing these things, not only do we honour and glorify God, but we also encourage each other in the body of Christ, and we become a true example of Christ's forgiveness towards us. So just to finish off today, I've put together a number of questions for us to reflect on and to challenge ourselves with. You might like to write them all down, or just pick the question that applies to you the most. Each question is an application from each of the five points that we've looked at. So think about which point or which points is God convicting you of today? So first question. Do you show forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, grace and love towards others? Or do you tend to forgive grudgingly or not at all? Genuine forgiveness, grace and love, or forgive grudgingly or not at all? The second question, do you forgive in full or do you find yourself 
continually revisiting the issue, to give in full, or continually coming back to the issue. Question three. Are you willing to forgive at a cost to yourself? Or do you shy away from the cost of forgiveness? Forgive at a cost or shy away from the cost? Question four. Do you forgive all people or do you forgive some people and not others? All people or some people and not others? And the final question. Are you willing to initiate forgiveness with others? Or do you tend to wait for the other person to come to you? Do you initiate forgiveness with others? Or tend to wait for the other person to come to you? To wrap up today and this series, God wants us to be a church which is a genuine, receptive, active community of encouragers. In particular today, God wants us to be a forgiving church. He wants us to, to encourage each other with forgiveness. Forgiving as God through Christ forgives us. Bearing no grudges against each other. Not holding anything against each other. And working together with each other to become passionate followers of Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know and we thank you that it's through the blood of Jesus that we are saved. And we do thank you greatly that you've forgiven us through your Son, Jesus. Lord, please help us to be a church which demonstrates your forgiveness to others. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, you know the situations, the circumstances and the issues that are in each and every one of our lives. You know what we're feeling and what we're going through. And Lord, I just pray that you help each and every one of us to put on this mindset of forgiveness. And we do it because you reign over our lives. You reign over our church and you reign over our world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.